Welcome, NFL football fans. That time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith, Jr. This is an Inside Sports production, and uh, we'll be coming at you every single week. This is presented by Humanica Media and available on Podbean. Just like soybean, but the word pod because of podcast. Download that on your smartphone, uh, whatever device you use, and you can find us under The Inside Sports. Also, you can follow on Twitter at The Inside Sports as well. So two weeks left to go in the NFL regular season. Lots of teams still in the playoff hunt, teams still dealing with injuries, teams still dealing with being contenders but making bonehead plays at the end of games, which actually will cost you the number one overall seed. Uh, I'm not talking about any team in particular, or am I? Anyways, let's go ahead and get right into it here. As you know, I do not work alone. I enlist the help of only the very, very best. So here he is, and he's the man many of you already follow on Twitter, and if not, you should be because it definitely will enrich your life. I guarantee it. He is the pride of Rutgers University and my favorite East Coast intellectual from somewhere in an undisclosed location in a beautiful and now cold and chilly Southern California, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, as always, thanks for a great intro. Uh, let's not tell our friends in the Midwest and East Coast that it's chilly. It's all relative. <laughs> but, uh, you know, another uh, really a, a great week of football. I mean, some some compelling games, especially the Patriots and Steelers. And yet again, uh, after another controversial play, um, you look at what happened with Jesse James at the end of that Steelers game. And then you look at what happened in the Sunday night game with Derek Carr fumbling out of the end zone. I've been mm-hmm. watching football a long, long time, and I still don't know what a catch is and what a fumble is and why there's a touchback and when a catcher is a, a, a receiver is a receiver or a runner. And you know, at some point, the NFL needs to look into this. You know, regardless, the refs got the call right. The rule is the rule. But everyone I talk to is going bat you-know-what crazy over that play in Pittsburgh. Right. And it's, it's to the point where it, it comes down to this. You know that a lot of those rules, they don't they seemingly don't make sense. Let's say that. I'll go ahead and uh, be diplomatic about it. And it comes down to it's like this. If it uh, It's like the Electoral College, you know. If it works in the favor of the candidate that you want, you're okay with it. If not, you point out all of its flaws. But I, I thought really the Jesse James catch with, in the uh, Pittsburgh-New England game, that was particularly interesting because now normally if you break the plane, and then someone makes you fumble, it's already a touchdown because you broke the plane. But in this case, you, he broke the plane, but he did not, quote, survive the ground, as they say. So, therefore, it's not a catch, even though he had, had possession of the ball when he broke the plane. That's r- correct? Uh, yes, apparently so. And what I don't get is if a running back did it, like you said, that's a touchdown. So a receiver is only a receiver. He can't catch the ball and then run into the end zone, which whether you say it or not, Jesse James was leaning into the end zone. But I think at the point the ball hit his hands, he was in a runner trying to enter the end zone. So right. I don't get it. The NFL needs to fix it. I understand people want to blame Roger Goodell for this. And as much as I like to make him my personal football whipping boy, it's not his call. It's the competition committee. Uh, we saw this this year with Austin Safarian Jenkins against the Patriots, Sterling Shepard against the Eagles. I don't know what's a catch. I don't know if the ground causes a fumble. It shouldn't be this difficult. We shouldn't have to get legal experts in to explain rules that are antiquated and um, written many years ago because of one outlier type play. So um, I don't know, but I I will say this. The most fascinating thing that's come out of it is is 
Mike Lombardi, uh, formerly worked with the Patriots and knows Bill Belichick well, flat out said that Belichick instructs his players do not reach over the goal line or basically I'm sure he'll give them 50 lashes with the cane. But uh, you can understand why Belichick coaches his players that way. Yeah, that's true. And they, yeah, Belichick, we can we can talk about, we could do a whole show on him because he does, you love him or hate him, he does so many things so well and just has a great understanding of the game. But uh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's what gives me pause about them, and not just now that you have Antonio Brown injured, but the fact that this was a game that they could have, should have won and didn't do it, all the way down to Big Ben calling a fake spike on the last play of the game, but you can do that provided at least your players know what you're going to do. And here he calls a fake spike, winds up throwing an interception when you're only three points down and you're on the goal line. So they could have kicked a field goal, gone into OT and played it from there. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am I'm want a rule instituted. The NFL has all kinds of other rules, and here's what it is. The next quarterback that tries to win a game against the Patriots by throwing a slant pass on the goal line, gets suspended for one year without pay. That's my rule right there. The I Russell like Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger rule, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I like it. But you know that players will appeal it and they'll have to knock it down to eight. But anyway, I digress. I, I agree with you. And ultimately, Roethlisberger threw offensive coordinator Todd Haley under the bus on that play and said he wanted to spike it. So I don't know who it was. It was boneheaded. I mean, even still, if you're going to get the play and you got to follow orders like a good soldier, don't zip it at 80 miles an hour or maybe not throw it into double coverage. Throw it away if you don't like the look you're getting. But uh, a, a total mess. And, and at the end of the day, there are a lot of critics of Mike Tomlin. It's not all his fault, but the guy routinely gets out coached in big games. And I guess this is exhibit C, D, or E. I'm not sure which one. Yep, that's true. And now you got to look down the road where, as I said, I thought this was kind of the Steelers' year to go if they could just batten down the hatches and put their nose to the grindstone. Now they just made it a lot tougher on themselves. More than likely, that championship game is going to be played in Foxborough. And, hey, <laughs> But they'll also wind up having more than likely having to get past the Jacksonville Jaguars in the second round of the playoffs, too. But not that I'm projecting forward too far, but just losing that one game, they made this whole trip, possible trip to the Super Bowl, a lot more difficult on themselves. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the way the Jaguars are playing, it looks like the Patriots right. will get a home game, but it'll be wild card weekend. Uh, people forget Jacksonville went into Pittsburgh in October and beat up on them, and that could really come into play here. Yeah, that's true. So let's go ahead and move on here. Still in the AFC, and then we have that Oakland game. I could talk about uh, Oakland playing uh, Derek Carr fumbling into the end zone. We have the whole thing of the closest first down in the history of the NFL with Gene Steratore. And I think, honestly, I think Gene Steratore, he knew that was a first down. He did the index card thing just as kind of a, I think it was a little bit of a joke that didn't land. Because, you know, Steratore, you can tell, he really enjoys himself out there. He's a good referee. And uh, he did the index card thing just to make a moment of it. And it's turned into a whole, uh, as Judge Judy says, a kerfluffle. <laughs> I'm glad we brought Judge Judy into this. Maybe she could determine. She makes $40 million a year. you got to bring her in. Oh, yeah. Well, she uh, makes Goodell's salary. He still doesn't make as much as Ryan Seacrest. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that's a first. I've never seen an index card. I saw a ref once in a, a Jets. I forget who they were playing game. Talked about someone giving the opposing player the business. But uh, 
Yeah, I guess um, I guess that's what it's come down to with the NFL. We need props and whatnot. I mean, I think Gene Steratore would be a good stand-up comedian on his own. He doesn't need to go the Gallagher route, so uh, no more index cards. But yeah, it's 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 amazing. There's at least one issue every week that makes you scratch your head with the referees, and I don't mean to sound like grumpy old man, get off my lawn, but I mean we've been watching football for how long and, and every week it feels like there's something that never ceases to amaze but uh i will tell you good good for you kids out there some job advice if you do become a referee or understand the rules you're going to be a, a commentator about rules like a mike Pereira, a dean blandino you've got a future kid <laughs> yeah not that they even get it right every time anyways they go through the in-depth analysis of why this is a catch or isn't a catch or is a touchdown or is not a touchdown and then the official comes on the screen and, you know, gives a uh, – and is 180 degrees opposite of what they said. So even the officials don't even know. The experts who actually officiated the game for years don't really know what is a catch and what is a touchdown at times here. Yeah, it's the NFL's version of being a meteorologist. You're never right and you can just blame it on someone else when you're wrong. <laughs> Okay, so also some bad news for the L.A. Rams, who they really thumped the Seahawks last week. I think it was a 45-7 to 7 or something like that. I don't have the score in front of me, but, hey, they're a great kicker, Greg the Leg or Legatron, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's out due to back injury, so they have, signed, uh, they have signed another kicker, but that's just a huge blow, and we have a lot of flawed teams as we go into the, in the playoff run here. we got to remember in the AFC – not only Antonio Brown out, but he's expected to be healthy come playoff time. Uh, we don't know that is a calf injury. It may take away some of his explosiveness. Remember for the Patriots, Julian Edelman's already out for the whole year. Uh, in the NFC, we got Carson Wentz, who's down for the Eagles. They're starting quarterbacks down. Now the Rams lose Legatron. So, you know, it's, it's a good year for uh, some surprise team to get through. Yeah, definitely. As we continue to talk about, it's not always the best team that makes it through, but the healthiest. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think given this year, a tremendously unbelievable year for injuries to big name players and key players, uh, that the team that's going to be left standing with the most parts intact will really be well placed to to make a run to Minnesota for the Super Bowl. Um, and, and that goes with my next thought here. Roger Goodell got his five-year contract extension. And it's been a little quiet, but I think what you'll see revived is they'll try and push forward that 18-game season. And I'm oh, submitting to the NFL owners. Good Lord. You look at what's happened this season with the amount of players. Aaron Rodgers comes off injury reserve for one game, gets beaten up, and his team's eliminated, and they put him back. You really think he was ready to play with his screws and his collarbone? Um, come on. These guys, it's just it's a game that's faster and bigger with players that are stronger. And these guys are getting their heads knocked in. Look at look at the way Thomas Davis cheap shot it. I believe it was Devontae Adams of the Packers. Right. I mean, even even if they are legal hits, these guys are are taking a beating. You know, not just the concussions, but the bumps and bruises. We got a kicker who's so uh, let's not forget about that, football fans. We don't need an eighteen game season. We need to keep our best players on the field. We need to address that issue. Yeah, that's true. If anything, should they should be rolling it back to fourteen games. You know, or maybe even 12 like they did back in the mid-70s, you know, before they expanded to that 14-game season. Um, yeah, I, I just – that would be something. I, I think the NFLPA, as much as they have screwed the pooch on a lot of different things, they have got to draw the line at the 18-game season. It just has to – it just has to be drawn right there. And there's so much money coming in. And to me, it's just almost the 
just unparalleled just era of greed in the NFL. And not only necessarily with, I mean, the owners, the players, just everything, all this money keeps getting dumped into it and dumped into it. And all these trips to the cash machine and all of a sudden 18 game season, I mean, how much revenue do we make per game? So that's two extra games per team. How much more extra millions is that going to be? And it, but there's a toll that's going to be taken. And that is, we're going to have a horrible, horrible product coming down into the, to the most important games of the season, the playoffs. Yeah, we are. And you know what? Ultimately, the biggest losers are the fans. They can't afford to go to the games. They get turned off by bad football, and they're going to stop watching. So I think the NFL needs to think about the consumers here, whether they like it or not. Just because you watch a game on television doesn't mean that you're going to put money into the owner's pockets. Yeah, I get it. They make a ton of money off of revenue, but people I know don't go to games like they used to. Um, you know, you'd like to buy a, a, a jersey of a player you like, but who knows after five years if he's even going to be on that team. So, I mean, these are... Uh, these are major issues, you know. There's with the salary cap and the way the collective bargaining agreement works. It's not like the NBA where you, know, you can kind of work your salary cap magic, and a Steph Curry can stay with the team that drafted him, for instance. So um, they they've got to address these things because I mean, it's outrageous what people pay for parking just to go to a Rams game at the Coliseum, right. which is an antiquated stadium in LA. So I agree with you. You know, you can't, uh, as they say, pigs get slaughtered, right? That's it. Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Okay, so, well, that's the, the thing is, and too, like you say about that, and it reaches a point where, okay, do I want to either go to a game if there's just going to be two people going to a game with between seats and parking? It's probably going to run you close to $500 when all is said and done. So you can either buy a big screen TV and watch that game at home, or you can go to the game and suffer through everything and then just have the experience of having attended one game. It's, yeah, the, the prices are ridiculous. That's got to change. Um, now, one other thing, let's transition here. And finally, mercifully, it's after many years of, well, are you going to fire me? No. Well, are you going to quit? Well, no. And Marvin Lewis is finally done in Cincinnati. Mercifully, the Marvin Lewis era has come to an end. Kind of, you know what? Let me let me give you this. Those of you who like the old school R&B, you remember there was a song by Gladys Knight and the Pips called uh, Neither One of Us. <laughs> wants to be the first to say goodbye. And that's really what it was with Marvin Lewis and the, and the Bengals. Yeah, I know the song for Marvin is not you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, but you know, enough, <laughs> with the, enough with the R&B jokes. But yeah, I mean, even still, it came out, I believe it was Chris Mortensen or Adam Schefter from ESPN. I forget. I think they're a tandem now. Reported the Lewis story. And then after the game, he all but denied it or kicked the can down the road or I don't know what. I mean, the guy can't even get his resignation straight in typical Marvin Lewis Bengals fashion. But I was, I'm amazed he lasted this long. I completely forgot that he was with the Ravens on that Super Bowl team. And he's essentially been with Cincinnati since then. So, um, you know, really, uh, really sad to see this era of mediocrity end, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to be the worst, though, is that Marvin Lewis is going to leave, and then Cincinnati's probably going to go 4-12 and 12 next year or something, and they're going to be pining away for the Marvin Lewis era again. But that's yeah, Cincinnati football. Yeah, especially if they try and get Hugh Jackson back, like one of the rumors is uh, postulating. Yeah, well... And, and maybe Cincinnati doesn't feel as bad as they should about themselves because they've got Cleveland close by. Maybe, maybe that's what keeps them uh, optimistic, as they can say, at least we're not as bad as, well, that team. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't set the bar much lower. Can you go below ground? Because that's uh, that's the equivalent of that right there. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and get into some of these uh, the playoff scenarios here. And two weeks left in the season, so everybody's got two games to play, in case some of you are not math whizzes. But in the uh, AFC, New England and Pittsburgh sitting atop at 11-3 and three records, Jacksonville 10-4. and four. Kansas City got that big win over the Chargers last week. They're 8-6 and six and in the driver's seat. But then nipping at the heels of everybody, we got Tennessee at 8-6, and six, Buffalo at 8-6, and six, currently the wild card teams. And then after that, Baltimore at 8-6, and six, and the Chargers at 7-7, seven and seven, but they're still alive. And the Chargers, thankfully for them, they do hold a tiebreaker head-to-head because they beat Buffalo uh, back in week 11. So uh, real interesting scenarios there. The Chargers are not quite out of it yet, and we've still got to think about Tennessee, though. Eight and six, got that wild card spot, but they've got the Rams coming up and Jacksonville in week 16. Yeah, and what's really amazing, let's look back. When uh, Buffalo came to L.A. to play the Chargers, they, for whatever reason, started Nathan Peterman at quarterback, and uh, right. that really could come back to bite them. Yep, there we go. And then in the uh, NFC, 12-2 and two Philadelphia, 11-3 and three Minnesota, the Rams and New Orleans sitting at 10-4, and four, and they're right behind them, taking the first two wild card spots if the season were to end today, which it's not. Carolina at 10-4, and four, Atlanta at 9-5, and five, and then a slew of 8-6 and six teams, Detroit, Seattle, and Dallas after that. But uh, Atlanta, they, they've got New Orleans this week, so that's going to be a huge game right there. They're still not assured of a playoff spot. And Atlanta, when we look at it, ending with New Orleans and Carolina, they're kind of in a point in a spot where they can control their own destiny, but it's not going to be easy for them. No, definitely, it's going to be uh, two rough and tumble matchups just to get in. So, still a lot up in the air, especially in that NFC South. Yeah. So, and then we got Detroit as an eight and six, but like I said, they haven't beaten any good teams yet. And when you talk about a team not having any tiebreakers. Detroit has losses to New Orleans, Atlanta, and Carolina. So it's going to be kind of hard for Detroit to get in. And and if they tie in any way, shape, or form, they're going to have to finish with an outright better record than Atlanta to beat Atlanta to get in. So uh, kind of tough luck for the Detroit Lions there. Not looking good. Okay. So – here we go. We're going to get into the picks of the week. And when we do this, uh, normally we do five games, but this week the games were, well, what can I say? A lot of them were not that interesting. So we're going to pick the two uh, best games of the season, or excuse me, of the week here, and uh, just go with that. So on the season, we're pretty close here. I'm at 39 and 26. Chris is now one game behind as he con- continues his late season charge to try to beat me in the overall. He's at 38 and 27. And uh, Chris, you're doing well. Let's go ahead and break down that first game. Thank you. Yeah, I want to thank myself for picking the Steelers. I would have had a perfect 5 and 0 last week. I never learned. But uh, big NFC South showdown, as we mentioned. Atlanta goes into New Orleans to play the Saints. They played earlier this year in a really good, uh, close, and surprisingly low scoring game at the Falcons won, thanks to a late interception. Um, Watching the Falcons on Monday night, I mean, the common theme that I noticed this year, they're not getting Julio Jones the ball enough. Not quite happy with the way Matt Ryan's playing. I don't know if you can blame that all on Steve Sarkeesian, but I will anyway. And uh, I think the big question for me is the defense. You know, Jameis Winston really had a chance to to win that game and lit them up through the air. 
And the first time around, uh, the, the Saints really played it close. I think with Kamara and Ingram running the ball so tremendously this year that uh, Breeze doesn't necessarily have to keep chucking that ball. And when he does, he's got Michael Thomas. I like they're at home. I like that the way that defense is playing, and they've got two good young cornerbacks who I, I think could probably shut down Sanu and Jones. And I'm going to pick the Saints to win. Well, you got the Saints. Now that's that's a tough one there. Could you wait at the Saints? It would be advantageous for them to have this game, and it would be nice for them to win this game. But the Falcons have to win this game. So you're going to go ahead and pick the Saints to, to beat the Falcons, a desperate team that has to win the reigning NFC champions. You think they're going to go into New Orleans and lay an egg in the biggest game of their season? I don't, I don't know if they'll lay an egg, but I think they'll lose. I don't care that they were champions last year. They're not playing like it. And I think ultimately, with the way the South is shaking out, if you lose a game or lose two down the stretch, you might be home watching the playoffs come January. So I think there's just as much desperation, and uh, the Saints are going to want some revenge. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? Uh, despite my dramatics, I'm going with you here. I think New Orleans, a uh, more well-rounded <laughs> team, they're playing at home. And, uh, you know, I know what <laughs> Atlanta, and I'm not trusting Matty Ice here down the stretch. Atlanta's a five-and-a-half-point underdog. Some of you may want to look at that, but we're only picking winners here, not against the spread. So we are both going with the New Orleans Saints in this game. Could we agree? So I, I guess regardless, it's not going to make much of a move in the win-loss differential. Uh, it's probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but then again, with common core math, you never know what might happen at the end. Uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> okay. And then the next, the big game we got here, and this is uh, playoff implications just abound. Two eight and six teams. The Seattle Seahawks, who just got devastated, blown away at home uh, against the Rams last week. There would be in Dallas this week, Dallas at 8-6 and six also, clinging to their playoff lives and uh, getting Ezekiel Elliott back. So, you know, he's going to be kind of hungry to run against that Seattle defense. So what we've got here, we've got the experience against what really I feel is a better team. The Dallas Cowboys, I think, with Zeke in the lineup, they are a better overall team. But Seattle, you cannot discount the experience. That said, the way I watched the Rams, what they did to Seattle last week, and uh, with when I look at Todd Gurley running wild and the Rams being able to force the ball down the field, I'm thinking that Dallas Cowboys will probably be able to do something similar with uh, with Ezekiel Elliott and with Des Bryant over the top. So I'm afraid uh, Seattle has gotten a bit thin here. Their offensive line is not great. Uh, their defensive backfield is not great. So I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, hometown Dallas Cowboys it pains me to pick the Cowboys. It always does, but I got the Cowboys here. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on it, too. I would think that uh, uh, typically looking back at the Seahawks after getting a whipping like that, they'd bounce back. But uh, I think a, a key player on that defensive side of the ball that they're missing that not a lot of people are talking about is Richard Sherman. A lot of people think he's overrated, but teams are just picking on them through the air. And, you know, you can have as great a pass rush as you want, but – the receiver's open, you've got enough time to throw, and Dallas has a good offensive line. I think they're going to exploit that. I think having Elliott back will help, and unfortunately, I have to agree with you and pick the Cowboys here as much as it pains me. Yeah, so, and I think what, what you have to look at with Sherman and uh, whether whether people love him or hate him or whatever, it's not just what he does as a player on the field, but the stability that he gives that defensive backfield. And, you know, really those the main man in the Legion of Boom, 
So they're missing him, and I think everything uh, kind of comes together this week for Dallas. And all of those – it was Russell Wilson. I watched last week, and I was terrible. He was – clearly, he's such a competitor, and he was doing all he could, and there was just – nothing that he could do against that Rams defense. Uh, they couldn't move the ball. And the Seattle defense can't stay out there on the field all game long. So unless Zeke goes out there and gets a really bad case of the yips, I think um, this is this is Dallas' game here. Yeah, and look, Dallas still has a, a glimmer of hope in the playoffs. They're, they're playing with some momentum and some urgency, which helps. That's yeah, true. And they got – well, Dallas, when we look at that playoff race, they've got Philadelphia coming up in the last game of the season. So it really depends on and, – and with Carson Wentz out, they may take that game as well. And also, if Philadelphia has a home field locked up, possibly, then we don't know if Philadelphia may rest some of their starters or not. So Dallas, definitely, if they win this game, they have a realistic puncher's chance of uh, getting into the playoffs next weekend, you know, in, the, in week 17. Definitely, and and who would have thought that just a few weeks ago? Yep, exactly. So those are the picks of the week. We're both uh, agreeing. We're both taking New Orleans. We're both taking Dallas. And now, everybody, comes the uh, segment that we love, you love, everybody loves. And let me just tell you how close the margins are. We look at last week when we did our Gambler's Delight picks, and I said to go ahead and take the San Francisco 49ers and give two points. And what happens? They only win by two points, so I would have lost. Whereas Mr. Lardieri says, take the Steelers and three points. And what happens? The Steelers only lost by three points, so you would have actually won that bet. And that's how close it is. That's why I say if you're by the sports book and you got 20 bucks to bet, these are some of the things that you might want to consider because we all like to bet on football here and there. Anybody who goes, if you bet one of your mortgage payments, that's on you. Don't uh, don't come to me and complain. I'm saying if you got 20 bucks and a sports book is there, here's what you might want to do. Mr. Lardieri, you are the man. Uh, this is a very difficult week, not only from a just head-to-head matchup perspective. There's some weak ones out there, but – uh, my thing is picking underdogs. I picked the Steelers last week. It was a push. I really should have covered, but what can you do? A push is better than losing. I'll take my $10 back. Um, I look, and you know, there are really three games where I'd consider betting the underdogs. The Seahawks are getting five in Dallas. The Falcons, I believe, are getting four and a half in New Orleans. Uh, I don't think either of those teams are going to win, never mind cover. However, there's one home dog out uh, out there that I like, and you know, looking at it on paper, you're going to think I'm a little bit crazy for – for giving this advice, but I'm going to say take the 49ers getting four and a half. If it moves up to five, gladly take that extra half point. So I think the Niners are going to win, not necessarily, but I think they'll they'll make it close. Uh, one of kind of the under-the-radar stories here in the last three weeks is the way Jimmy Garoppolo has been tra- uh, playing. Got traded from the Patriots. They uh, didn't throw him to the Wolves right away. They let him learn the offense, and the guy's been playing excellent and let a nice come-from-behind win against the Titans last week. You and I know how the Jaguars are. Everyone loves them now. They're the darlings of the AFC, the sleeper team. But this is a team that traditionally has been up and down. They've had two key games at home last week. They're going to travel on the road to San Francisco. This could easily be a game where they're looking ahead to next week in a key AFC South division matchup against the Titans, potentially for the division title. I think they look forward a little. Could be a three-point game if that's the case, and the 49ers only lose by a field goal. Take the points. Um one little thing we'll hit on here in our fantasy segment. Robbie Gold has been kicking out of his mind the last few weeks. So if it does come down to a field goal, uh, I, I like his leg over Josh Lambeau. So uh, 
kind of a desperation pick, a little bit of a slim pickings. The wise guys are not on our sides with the underdogs, but uh, why not take a shot with Jimmy G and the 49ers getting the points? All right. Well, and mine, I was looking at actually playing the uh, – one of the games was the uh, the Saints and the, and the uh, Falcons. I was thinking about playing the over there. But what I'm going to do is uh, the Seattle and Dallas game, the over-under is 47 points. I like Dallas to go out there and put up a lot of points out there. So I'm going to say take Dallas – or not take Dallas, but uh, play the over on that Seattle and Dallas game, over 47. And I think with the two teams combined, we should easily make that. So everybody, go ahead, take Chris's pick, take the Niners in those points, and play the over over 47 on Dallas and Seattle, and hopefully you'll be thanking us both next week. All right. Okay, so here we go, everybody. Now comes our last segment, which is uh, Mr. Lardieri. He is the expert here, many, 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 many years of experience, fantasy football. Get out the pens and paper, everybody, and listen, take notes. Mr. Lardieri, you have the floor. Charles, I want to thank you. The The fantasy gods have been on my side this year, you giving me an outlet to discuss my fantasy wisdom. Um, my team won by 1.1 points in the semifinals. It's on to the championship game. Thankfully, Julio Jones got just enough catches and a mediocre performance. And when I went back and looked at the stats, I took my own advice. I started Jimmy Garoppolo. He outscored my other quarterback, Marcus Mariota, by 1.1 points, thus giving me the margin of victory. So hopefully you out there played him and, and won your playoff matchups. Uh, this week, we mentioned this before, Nick Foles is out there. He really had a good game against the Giants. The uh, Raiders don't have the greatest defense, and I don't think they're playing for much. I think he'd be a good start if you needed to stream a quarterback this week. Joe Flacco has got a nice matchup. You know, he had a pretty good game against the Browns, and now he gets the lowly Colts coming in the town, and they're on the playoff push, so give him a start if you're really in need of a quarterback. Um, you look at running backs. There's a guy out there with Green Bay, Aaron Jones. Um, I know Williams will be getting more of the carries, but with uh, Rodgers going back on the shelf, he, he may be getting some carries here in what could be a meaningless game against the Vikings. And then uh, the, the three positions every fantasy player loves to hate can really come into play here and, and help you win the title. If you need a tight end, you know, Kyle Rudolph's been hurt. Luckily, he played last week. I'm not sure if he will this week, but – Charles Clay from Buffalo has been doing pretty well. And with Tyrod Taylor and he getting into a rhythm and that team making a playoff run, I think he's a good uh, choice to plug in if you need a tight end. On defense are two teams I like this week. The uh, Saints really threw a dud against the Jets, but I think they're due to uh, give a few turnovers or 10. Uh, and the L.A. Chargers defense has been playing well all year, although they got lit up by Alex Smith and Kareem Hunt last week. Uh, another team making a playoff push. They got a great pass rush. I think they can generate some turnovers. And then the Steelers coming off that tough loss to the Patriots go down to Houston. Um, other than DeAndre Hopkins, they don't have much to offer. And the Steelers have been a very steady defensive team this week. Pick them up. And as we mentioned earlier, kicker, you need someone out there. Robbie Gold put up 24 points last week, and he's just been a man on a mission making field goals left and right. If your kicker gets you 10 points or more, you should be happy. Gold's been averaging more than that. Go pick them up. I did it. Uh, you know, you laugh, but these little kind of point differentials come down to, to those positions you love to hate. I mean, they can make the difference here in the championship, winning some money and buying a few extra Christmas presents, and that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> there you go. Playing situational fantasy football. That's what it comes down to. That's what you do there, Mr. Lardieri. That's all it is. It's money ball for fantasy football, right? 
I may go ahead and watch that again this week. It was either that or Two for the Money. I don't know which I want to see. Two for the Money is a flawed movie, but there's something about it that I really like. I don't get it. Yeah, I think it's just the uh, the gambling aspect, and you know, you know how we are. We like anything Al Pacino's in, right? Yeah. Hoo Okay, so everybody, <laughs> remember every single week right here uh, all the way through the season and through the playoffs and the Super Bowl, the show is NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production and uh, presented by Humanica Media. Remember the Podbean app, Podbean. Download that on your smartphone. You can get us on the go wherever you are. I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. You can follow me at The Inside Sports or follow Chris at Chris L. Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, and then sports. Before we sign off, uh, Mr. Lardieri, you have some final words of wisdom for everybody? Yeah. Uh, first of all, apologies for the uh, coughing and scratchy voice. Uh, cold and flu season's <laughs> going around, but uh, managed to get through it unscathed, knock on wood. I uh, just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Enjoy those Christmas Eve games. It's actually a Christmas night game with the uh, Eagles and Raiders. So uh, if you got enough food and presents and everything else, I guess I could divert your attention, although you'd have to endure John Gruden for a few hours. But, uh, mm. you know, everyone be safe. Happy holiday season to you. Um, hope to see you next week in what looks like could be a uh, even more compelling Week 17 matchup with a lot of player uh, playoff berths on the line. Yeah, that's true. Definitely uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah, uh, happy Kwanzaa, uh, whatever you may be out there. But, you know, it is that time of the year, time to be with the loved ones and just appreciate things. That's what it comes down to. It doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are. Just, uh, you know, enjoy and appreciate life this week. Enjoy the football games and everything. We'll see everybody next week. And can't believe that 2017 is almost over. This is the last show I'll be wearing my Santa Claus hat. Uh, you know, maybe, well, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll break it out for one show because New Year's isn't here yet. Deliver some late presents to everybody. Just remember, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. And for Mr. Chris Lardieri, thank you for watching NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production. We will see everybody next week. Enjoy the games and Merry Christmas. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.